to Reuse on Replay with the Reusable Packaging Association. I'm Tim Debus with RPA. Our podcast features experts and thought leaders from around the reusable transport packaging industry in a conversation about reuse systems for the distribution of goods in the supply chain. Our podcast guests include Rob Fink, Chief Strategy and Innovation Officer, and Mike Jett, Global Director of Supply Chain with the company Surgere. Surgere provides supply chain solutions using technology to achieve complete visibility in the location and movement of goods, enabling the efficient management of product inventories like reusable packaging and the reduction of operational waste and environmental impact. We draw from Rob's and Mike's expertise in a discussion about technology-driven sustainability performance in supply chains. Thanks for listening. It's my pleasure to talk with Rob Fink and Mike Jett from the company Surgere. At the Reusable Packaging Association, the integration of technology to generate visibility in supply chains, which can happen from creating smart reusable packaging products, is a major focus area of our work and industry collaboration. And technology deployment offers a tremendous opportunity, especially in light of all the disruptive forces at work against uh, today's supply of goods. Uh, Rob, starting off, uh, could you please share uh, more about your role with Surgere and explain how the, the company enables data capture and supply chain visibility? Yeah, sure, Tim. I'll be happy to. So I am the Chief Innovation and Strategy Officer here at Surgere. Uh, been with the organization about nine years. I uh, was previously the VP of tech. I've had our sales and marketing team as well. Uh, in my current role, I'm leading our engineering team as well as our strategic innovation team, that team that's responsible for engaging with our customers and helping to cultivate a two to five year strategy in terms of where they want to take their initiatives in the supply chain. Um, also really serve as kind of the lead innovator for the organization in terms of how we're going to focus our efforts from a product or a system functionality standpoint. And I'll oversimplify a bit, but, you know, really, Surgere's role as an organization in the supply chain or in the manufacturing process is to help our customers achieve or acquire business certainty. And that can take on a variety of different forms. Uh, in the supply chain or the manufacturing process, there's often a lack of business certainty that's most typically caused by a lack of visibility. And those issues can be you know, relatively straightforward, such as where is my inventory? Uh, they can get a little bit more complex when you talk about material throughput, uh, part authenticity, but there's a multitude of things that we offer through the use of IoT technology to help provide our customers business certainty, both in the supply chain and the manufacturing process. And again, Sorry, go ahead, Tim. Yeah, okay, thanks. I love that word certainty. Uh, it's powerful and it's got a lot of meaning in, in supply chain distribution. Yeah, and it, again, it, it can be you know solving what sounds like relatively simple questions such as, where is my stuff? Well, when you're moving millions of assets through a supply chain, having certainty around where all the critical elements are at the right time in real time, that's not so easy. And it's through the use of this technology that we've been able to provide um, Certainty, whether it's, you know, where are my returnable packs? Uh, when are my parts arriving? Um, what is uh, my current impact and quality and manufacture throughput velocity? I can go on for a long time I'm trying to keep it relatively straightforward, but anything that falls under that business certainty umbrella in the supply chain or the manufacturing space, that's re really where we're, we're focused leveraging IoT technology to help. 
Uh, great, great. Well, Mike, how about uh, giving the other audience a little insight into your background and work with Sujer? Okay, I started working with Sujer uh, last November. I have 38 years of manufacturing and supply chain experience. Retired from Honda in September of 2020. First met Sujir probably five or six years ago uh, when they were doing some work for Honda. Um, I don't want to repeat anything that Rob said, but I'll try to sum it up like this. Uh, I don't think there's a problem within the supply chain that Sujir can't fix. Uh, and I've seen that firsthand. So I work with Rob and the uh, strategic innovation team. And uh, there's a lot of activity going on. And I think the future is very, very bright for this. Oh, well said. Knowledge is power, and you're generating that knowledge uh, throughout uh, all operations, uh, sharing with your trading partners. And, Mike, it's great to have your background in the OEM, in the automotive industry, in the uh, the actual use environment uh, in which uh, products like reusable packaging and certainly the flow of, of uh, materials, equipment, and goods. Uh, it's a great marriage, I guess, from that background that you have to ultimately layering on the technology solution. Well, really, today's discussion is ultimately looking at that supply chain technology and its connection to sustainable environmental impact. Um, it's no secret uh, what demands there are in place uh, in regards to the way that products are produced, transported, used, and even disposal. In fact, you know, the EPA puts a number that uh, over 40% of the U.S. greenhouse gas emissions come from those activities uh, in the production, supply, and uh, the treatment or management of the disposed uh, products. Uh, and we know specifically with containers and packaging, uh, making up almost 30% of the U.S. municipal waste generation. So packaging in itself creates a lot of waste, could lead to pollution. Uh, in fact, uh, 60 billion pounds actually goes into landfill each year that's uh, specific to containers and packaging. So there's a lot to it uh, when you look at the, the numbers, uh, but you've seen firsthand what takes place in the supply chain in regards to that environmental impact, whether it's waste, pollution, uh, maybe not so much uh, uh, carbon emissions or greenhouse gas emissions, but you know it's there, there's con energy consumption. Can, can you provide a, a little bit of firsthand experience about what you've seen in supply chains in terms of impact uh, on the environment? Yeah, happy to, Tim. And I think you you teed it up nicely, just kind of framing in the, the, the magnitude of the problem or the impact of the problem. Uh, you know, really what we're seeing and really where our role is, um, you know, taking a different meaning of that word waste. Um, we see that oftentimes in supply chain, there's a lot of wasted effort or redundant effort. Uh, and oftentimes that wasted effort or redundant effort leads to environmental impact. So, you know, for example, when you look at transportation um, and better helping our customers maximize cube to make sure that we're keeping only the right amount of the trucks on the road at one time, I'm only paying for the trucks I truly need to move my material. That's one way we've been able to really have a positive impact, to be able to reduce that transportation effort requisite to what's really needed to move and when that's needed to move. Um, additionally, on the packaging side, you know, what we're seeing, you know, if packaging is not in the right place, that often will create, you know, impacts on the transportation side from an expedite standpoint. But additionally, material then has to be packed in cardboard. And there's an environmental impact to that as well. So we help there as well as, you know, on the returnable side, we're better able to help our customers repurpose or reallocate previous packaging to new model 
new 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 areas of need as opposed to rebuying and recycle their old fleets. So, Mike, I don't know if you want to add on yeah, to that. I, Tim, I got a couple of things I'll add. So Rob talked about the, the trailer cube efficiency, but it's also important to take into consideration the packaging cube efficiency because the packaging and containers, they make up the cube that's inside the trailer. Uh, the key thing is making sure that you're not shipping as minimal air as possible. So making sure that you optimize that cube. And that's really helped some of our customers better understand how they can improve from an efficiency point of view, also from a cost point of view and the impact that that has on the environment. So optimizing pack cubes, trailer cubes uh, to improve efficiency and sustainability. Yeah, and it's really that, that tie of inefficiency and what that leads to in terms of environmental impact uh, and, and, and issues or problems that we see in, the, in all around us. And it's, it's using technology to actually turn the tables, to drive efficiencies, to, to create cost savings, but then have those efficiencies lead to those environmental uh, gains. And this is something and you're communicating with your customers. It's you know sometimes we very difficult to quantify, but, but data allows you to actually uh, provide that level of measurement, uh, and that's very important in making these these business decisions. But let, give me a sense as to the customers that you're working with, uh, the users of, of reusable products, uh, the integrators of technology and supply chains. W what are they thinking in terms of uh, their objectives and initiatives? Are they going at it saying that you know we want to uh, have a better sustainability profile? Uh, we want to become more sustainable, reduce waste and, and pollution. Uh, what are you seeing from your customer side as far as today, uh, where they're interested in looking at uh, taking their business from environmental sustainability? That's a that's a great question. I mean, we're predominantly in the automotive space. We we help customers across really discrete manufacturing in total, but the majority of our business is in automotive. And what we're seeing there is, you know, eighty percent now of automotive manufacturers are making their ESG or environmental targets publicly available. Everybody's committed to the cause and not just they're committed to the cause, they're making their goals publicly available. And you know that's really happening from a multitude of reasons. All of our clients are of course committed to the cause. I think we all need to be committed to the cause environmentally. Uh, but I think what's also happening on the customer side is there's been a correlation between financial risk and perceived climate risk of, a, of an organization. And it's in the organization's best interest, both from a uh, public opinion standpoint, as well as you know financial profile to make sure that they're an ESG leader as opposed to an ESG lagger. So there's a multitude of, of, of motivation here. There's of course the altruistic model or mode, and I think everybody's really in that, but really more than ever, there's a direct link between ESG or environmental performance and financial performance. So more than ever, our customers are, are wholly committed to the cause. And I'll just add to that too, Tim. So I think of it like this, it's, it's awareness, choice, change. So we use the data to improve their awareness. So they get a, they're certain, they can be certain about what's going on within their supply chain. Then there's choice to be made, choice to flip everything over to returnable packaging, uh, choice to improve cube efficiencies, and then they can make change. So they tie that all together. So we try to make them more aware, enable them to make choice and enable them to change or innovate their supply chains going forward with a focus on sustainability for the future. 
That's a great sequence uh, of steps there, Mike, uh, for sure. And uh, one thing that we we talk or have starting to talk more about at the association level is trust. Uh, that the fact that data provides them that confidence, uh, you know, not only certainty within operations, but trust in the data. And Rob, as you mentioned, with ESG standards, uh, measurements, and ultimately reporting, you know, having that trust in data that could lead to actions, uh, that could lead to performance evaluations, and ultimately risk assessment. Right, especially from say the investor community, uh, that trust in that data becomes uh, you know very critical. And uh, this is something that I'm, I'm sure when you're talking with your customers, it's not just the insight of the of the data that allows for that change, let's say, uh, but it's also that trust in the data that provides them the certainty in the decisions being made uh, to produce the desired outcomes. Are are you finding that that's also an important area in terms of having trust and that certainty as well? Absolutely. Um, you know, when we set out uh, in this space, you know, eight, eight or nine years ago, we recognized the fact that the key to our software was, in fact, the integrity of the data. At the end of the day, without integrity in the data, to your point, I, I can't make decisions based on that data. I don't have integrity from a reporting standpoint. So the foundational element here and everything that we do is data accuracy or data integrity. That's where everything starts and stops for Sergio as an organization. Um, and through that you know, foundational element of data integrity, we're also able to do other things for our customers, such as leverage machine learning or AI. You know, not that we're now that we're able to make sure the data is accurate, I can do a lot of things now where I can start looking into the future predictively. And without that data integrity, those types of opportunities simply don't exist. I just want to jump on for a second. So when I yeah. first was introduced to Sujir several years ago, I was a big, bit skeptical. I wasn't sure it was going to provide the level of accuracy that we were hoping it would. Uh, however, when I saw the power of the data, the accuracy of the data, then I started to lean into the predictive analytics that the data could provide. And that created other opportunities for us for the future. So it's, like you said, it's critical. And that's what our customers are learning too. The data is accurate. Yeah, I've used uh, predictive analytics uh, a few times uh, to explain how technology can improve, particularly asset management. Uh, and I've been involved in the pooling operations and to be able to have the insight to uh, to uh, manage your inventories uh, of products, but then predict when they're going to be coming back uh, for reuse and to ultimately uh, allow for you to station your, your reusable packaging with your customers and, and manage that supply is uh, so critical. So uh, that data becomes important. Let, let me dive in a a little bit now with specific to reusable packaging because Sergio is truly a pioneer uh, in inventory management uh, systems uh, for reusable packaging. And you mentioned uh, the automotive. And you know, people ask me from the association level is you know where reusable packaging markets exist. And I usually always say the automotive industry is is just so well penetrated or mature with reusable packaging products. And a lot of it now is about optimization. And of course, there's changes now in automotive with innovation and say batteries and other uh, you know car components and parts that are changing quite rapidly uh, but as far as uh, using reusable packaging to drive efficiencies uh, to protect uh, sensitive products uh, to you know deliver a zero waste uh, business operation the automotive is a great case uh, study to work with uh, but so being at the very forefront of that uh, many many years ago has uh, is, is got that expertise uh, what can you tell us about that background and you see that 
technology applied to reusable packaging as a way to drive those efficiencies and then create those efficiencies to have for a better environmental impact, such as the waste uh, elimination, you know, pollution control, having those inventories uh, in check and managed uh, so that you can use those types of uh, data and predictive analyses to improve more efficiencies with the product. So but give us a sense of your background in managing reusable packaging assets and how that's being uh, worked on today. Yeah, happy to. I mean, so as of today, I think we have about 40 million uh, returnable containers that we're actively tracking, containers and or wraps. And through that experience, we've learned a ton. Uh, And really where packaging is critical and to be able to provide some of these insights that you're talking about, Tim, is, as you know, packaging is really a foundational element to the supply chain. There's so many tangential connections I can make with packaging, such as connection with parts, connection of trailer, uh, a, a lot more visibility than just container inventory management visibility can be derived from understanding where containers move and how they move within the supply chain. And by being able to do that and measure it, you know, where we've seen, of course, the, the most direct impact from an environmental standpoint is reducing the amount of cardboard consumption, you know, reducing expedites, maximizing transportation efficiency by, by making sure that our customers can cube out trailers and have visibility to how well they're doing there. But really, you know, some of the other things that we've seen, you know, this type of technology has enabled folks in the returnable container space to do things that they couldn't do without this type of technology. So, as you know, you mentioned pooling earlier. So pooling is extremely difficult if I don't have a good grasp of where my where my material is. There's a lot of efficiency that can be gained by pooling, but that foundational element needs to be in place first before I can even contemplate doing that. One other thing that we found whereby we've been able to have a really big impact, and we didn't see this coming, um, was on what we call identity management of returnable containers. So as you know, you know, introduction or removal of dunnage can change the identity of an asset. I was one thing to yesterday and I'm something new today. Well, we've come up with a different approach to that whereby we're able to dynamically manage the association of materials, whereby if I was this type of asset yesterday and I'm now something new, our system's able to manage that identity automatically on the back end of the database side, which has had a dramatic impact on reallocation and reuse, whereby a lot less of this is now needed to be bought year after year because the ability to repurpose and reallocate has become so seamless now. And just to add a couple more examples, so when you're planning uh a loop with a supplier utilizing returnable packaging, you know, prior to, prior to having the data, it was a guess. You were making your best guess about how much packaging that you needed in that loop. So when we started getting the data off of the packaging, we realized in some cases we had too much packaging In other cases we didn't have enough packaging. And that's why the suppliers were using expendable packs to, 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 to make up that, you know, capacity that they were lacking. So that's just an example. Rob touched on the new model side of it a little bit, uh, but having the data for new model planning for the future has been critical and it's going to remain critical for the future as you're doing planning. Uh, It just gives you a better foundation of data to use as you plan for the future. That new model planning is an exciting uh, feature in development. Uh, look forward to seeing the, the continued evolving and, and the work with that. It's uh, exciting for our industry, uh, for sure. You know, at the end of the day, when you know, by any 
standard that you look at, uh, uh, whether it's the uh, reduce, uh, reuse, uh, recycle in that order, the waste hierarchy pyramid where reuse is at the source reduction at the very top of the pyramid as far as preferred activity. And then more recently with the circular economy, uh, where reuse is an inner loop or an inner circle activity being preferred, say, versus that single use uh, recycling, um, that when you're able to recover your assets more effectively, when you're able to reuse them, uh, that's ultimately the, the, the objective here. And it's through that reuse. It's using data to better manage your inventories is going to have that environmental impact because you're ultimately eliminating the manufacturing steps. Uh, you're eliminating re recycling uh, at the, every single you know, step of the, of the turn. You're uh, having better resource uh, material conservation, for example. And then all of the inefficiencies you're able to solve uh, just you know continues to layer on environmental uh, benefits. And, and that's uh, you know, really exciting uh, news. And uh, w when you're working with, say, supply chain managers with your uh, your customers, what are some of the top considerations that come to their mind? What are they first asking from Sir Jer in terms of, you know, we, we want to really hit these goals, these ESG goals. Uh, um, how, how would you recommend a, a supply chain manager maybe uh, approach looking at the technology uh, deployment within their reusable packaging systems? Are there certain questions that come top of mind? Is there uh, certain people within the organization they should bring together as a team? Or what are some of the big higher level elements uh, that you would advise for companies and supply chain managers to consider when looking at technology for reusable packaging systems in their supply chains? It's a really good question. Um, so, I mean, oftentimes my recommendations and what we hear from the customer, they're, they're really synonymous. Um, you know, everybody's interested or they should be interested in how scalable the technology is. It has to be scalable for this type of use case. Oftentimes we're talking about millions of assets here. So the form factor, the cost, the ability to be scalable across a very large network has to be in place because having visibility at all critical nodes of the supply chain it's necessary if I'm really gonna drive benefit. In order to really have 100% visibility, I have to make sure that this technology is scalable enough, cost-effective enough to be at every one of my nodes in my supply chain. Otherwise, I lose key visibility. Um, other than that, you know, really accuracy, of course, is key. Um, the system has to be able to produce data at a level uh, at 99.9 or something similar, because again, without that foundational element in place, the art of what's possible in terms of what you can do with that data, it's extremely diminished if I don't have that foundational element in place. So I want to talk about the art of the possible for just a second. So we're working with customers today. Some customers that we're working with are using very little returnable packaging, meaning a majority of their packaging is coming in as a cardboard. So first step, let's get it into returnable. Okay. Then we can start tracking assets, getting data, understanding, do we have the correct loops? Do we have correct volumes in the loops? Then we can link part data to the pack data. Then you can start to see your inventory at a part level uh, throughout the supply chain. So what do I have at suppliers? What do I have in transit? That starts to come into play when there's changes in production. You want to be able to react quickly. So you've got the ability to do that. Uh, there's other things that you can do in the future, too. When you start to look at changes, uh, consumer buying buying preferences, their changes, and how that impacts production and what you, what, what, what you have in the fleet. Uh, so there's so many possibilities for the future. But the foundational data comes from the pack data. 
Yeah, Mike, it's a great point. Uh, sometimes we, we put the cart before the horse and saying looking at technology before the reuse system is in place. Uh, and when we've seen over and over again, when companies convert from, say, a single-use disposable system to a reusable packaging system, there's so many discoveries. There's so many aha moments in which new information is found or new learnings on how to do things, new ways to, to innovate just based on the fact that reusable packaging offers you know durability. And, and certainty in terms of its performance as well. That's another key uh, is that you've got much greater reliability with a, a, a durable, strong, stable product, whether it's a pallet, a bulk bin, or a, a handheld tote or something. And so when you put that in place, and then you can think about layering the technology and then providing that data certainty, that's uh, that's a powerful force uh, and something that Sergio is right in the middle of. That's exactly what, what you're doing. That's an exciting uh, place to be. Well, give me a sense uh, as we close out the conversation here, as far as the, the, the immediate future, uh, what does it look like uh, for uh, data tracking uh, and for reusable packaging? You know, let's go in the assumption that more reusable packaging systems are put into place and more technology is being deployed. Or, uh, what are some of the things that you're seeing on the near horizon as far as the technology improvements uh, directionally, what, uh, what it's able to achieve or perform for customers? Uh, anything that, that you see in the near future that uh, uh, lends to more, even more excitement about the integration of technology to create smart packaging products? Yeah, I'll, I'll throw one out that's uh, kind of near and dear to me, and then I'll let Mike add on. But uh, you know, really what we're seeing is you know, year over year, the improvement from a tag standpoint, IoT tag, RFID tag, for example, uh, the improvements in both performance and the reduction in costs that are ironically happening simultaneously. So technology is getting better, cost is going down on the, on the IoT tag side. And really what that's opening up from a possibility standpoint is there are more options to infuse even more data into the supply chain. And what I'm talking about there is, you know, the standard four by six labels that are used for inbound shipments into an OEM, for example. There's now the ability to start contemplating having RFID chip technology embedded in that four by six label so that all the information that the supplier is implying to that label, whether it's you know, batch, lot, uh, all the quality information, as well as quantity, can be embedded in that tag. That opens up a lot of possibilities from just a automation of material receipt at the OEM side, an improvement of ASN shipment quantity on the supply side. But then it starts opening up the door in terms of better being able to start connecting part quality information to the VIN level line side for the, for the OEM as well. So the improvement in, in performance and the reduction in cost is really starting to open up some doors here that weren't previously open. And it's that logistics label, making that really a smart label for packaging. That's probably the one I'm most excited about. Yeah, technology is going to continue to evolve. You're going to see maturation that's going to scream fast forward in the future. Uh, I, I envision a future where you can manage your supply chain from your cell phone. You know, today we're, we're using various systems to be able, be able to do that. We want to be able to create and innovate for the future. So you're going to get alerts. We're going to be able to run algorithms in the background uh, that, you know, through some type of machine learning or AI that can make decisions for you. Uh, things that you, you know, that are, you know, manual tasks today that can be done automatically in the future. So it's going to continue to evolve at a very rapid rate. 
Well, with Sir Jared leading the way, uh, having that tremendous experience uh, to help overcome obstacles and to help uh, push towards that uh, new technology environment, which is so promising for supply chains and certainly for reusable packaging. I want to thank you for for being the industry leader that you are and and certainly being a part of uh, an organization like RPA and and helping us uh, collaborate together to demonstrate more of those opportunities that uh, are here today, right? We're not talking about things in the the future that we've got to wait on. This technology is available. It's being deployed. It's being leveraged, uh, ultimately delivering results uh, in the marketplace. And it's uh, an exciting uh, place uh, to be. So uh, thanks uh, so much, uh, Rob and and Mike, for being a part of our podcast and sharing your your story and a little insight uh, into the Sergera business. Uh, Definitely look forward to seeing uh, more that you've got in the pipeline and things that you're working on uh, to uh, generate uh, the sustainable environmental benefits uh, in supply chains. Great. Thank you very much for your time, Tim. Yep. Thanks, Tim. It's been a pleasure.